from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and PJ Glasser here with you. And week 17 of the NFL slate is upon us. And in our uh, last couple of segments, we talked about Thursday night football between the Jets and the Browns. So make sure to check out our podcast in case you missed that. But now let's look ahead to the rest of the week. And PJ, this was something I complained about yesterday with Aaron. And I think it bears repeating here that we are now at a part of the NFL season where it is difficult, if not impossible, to track down when games are being played and where they are being played on my television screen. And I am particularly discussing that Bill's Chargers game where I was out with an old childhood buddy of mine. I went to two separate places and I couldn't watch Bill's Chargers because it was on a streaming service. And we're not going to have that problem here Saturday night between the Lions and the Cowboys. But I still have that PTSD where I am afraid this is going to get worse before it gets better in terms of my NFL viewing habits. And it is going to get worse because I don't know if you know, but one of the wild card weekend games this year is on Peacock. So it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's yeah. going to get worse yeah. for people out there, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, we have that to look forward to. I'm with you though. It's like we get Buck and Aikman on the call of Lions Cowboys and it's a Saturday game. So I mean, the college football playoff, of course, like Bama, Michigan and uh, Washington, Texas is on Monday. It's on new year's day. So that's why they're doing mm-hmm. this. But it is, it is a little odd that we're going to get Joe Buck and, uh, and Troy Aikman on a Saturday game, but it's a big game, Dallas and Detroit. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun. Absolutely. Cowboys six-point favorites at home here with a rather high total of 53-and-a-half. And this game will be over the air. So regardless of if you go to your favorite restaurant or watering hole, you should be able to watch Set Affair. Uh, Regardless, though, uh, in a game like this, Cowboys are back home after losing two straight on the road against Buffalo and against Miami. So definitely this is uh, potentially a get-right spot for the Cowboys. But I also wouldn't be surprised if, say, you know, what's, what's the old cliche, defense travels? Well, maybe it doesn't. Maybe this is a situation where the Lions are starting to put everything together in terms of playing that brand of complimentary football that we've come to know and love in 2023. So the total makes a whole lot of sense to me. You look at the spread, however, uh, it may just be something where if it's a higher scoring game where they're exchanging touchdowns, maybe that's what you're betting on more so than if the Cowboys really are six points better at home. Yes, and Dallas team total over is one of my favorite plays of the week at 29 and a half, right? Like, Dallas is back at home, folks. They've scored 30 or more points in every home game this season. They're going up against that Lions pass defense. Just gave up 400 yards to Nick Mullins. They're coming off two straight losses. So I think they're going to let off a little bit of steam. This is what they do. They go on the road. They struggle, especially against good teams. They come back home. They light it up. And what a perfect spot for them, Ed, getting to play Detroit off of like such a emotional letdown spot where you finally clinch the NFC North first time in 30 years. Jared Goff's like crying post game. Aiden Hutchinson's <laughs> getting choked up. Like the Lions are still hung up from that victory against Minnesota. Now they got to turn around on a short week and play a Dallas team who still can't figure out their road woes, right? Everybody's talking about how overrated they are and this and that. And the spread, like you look at it and it feels like it's too many points. Um, right? Like you look on the surface and you're like, gosh, Mm -hmm. I know the Cowboys are at home, but are they really six points better 
than Detroit and Dallas, especially with the fact that, yes, it's road Jared Goff, but we get him indoors on turf. So uh, I think a lot of people are going to like the Lions. I would lay it with the Cowboys at the six, but that team total over with Dallas is, is my play. I think the combo of Dallas's offense and home against the Detroit defense, and then the spot, the fact that we're getting Detroit off of that win, clinching the North Division, I think Dallas probably gets into the 40s in this game. Um, so I love the team total over. And if I had to make a play, I'd probably lay it with Dallas as well, minus six. We're going to broach a tease here that we will have contest picks in hour number three of BetQL Daily. And this game is a part of one of my picks. And so I will share that a little bit later. But PJ, I wanted to ask you about a prop that Brad Spielberger discussed yesterday on the program. He says that he loves CeeDee Lamb over seven and a half receptions because the Lions struggle containing slot receivers. Cowboys offense or is organically better at home. CeeDee Lamb is obviously wide receiver one. And if this truly is a get right spot, then they are going to be targeting Lamb early and often. What say you? Yeah, no, I love that. And especially with the way the Dolphins game went, right? Like CeeDee Lamb came out that first quarter, looked like he was going to have the Amari Cooper game that Amari did against Houston. Mm -hmm. And then the next three quarters, like they stopped feeding him. So I think when they go back, they watch the film, especially with the matchup against this Dallas defense and you know like you highlighted and Brad said yesterday they struggle against guys in the slot I think they're going to make it a point to get CD uh the ball so I really like that I think Lamb's going to have a monster week if you're playing against them in your fantasy championship games this week you better hope and pray because he's probably going to go off uh, but I like that play a lot I like the receptions I like the yards I like the anytime touchdown I think CD has a monster game Alt receiving yards, I suspect, will be coming up in our conversations tomorrow for Football Friday when we go over how to play that game and beyond. So certainly that's something we will revisit uh, later on on BetQL Daily tomorrow. Uh, but let's move on now to the Rams and the Giants. And to me, we have sort of two competing forces here in terms of how to analyze this game. Because the Rams were six and a half point favorites on the road. Now it's gone down to four and a half in part because Tyrod Taylor will be starting for the G-Men. And yes, Tyrod Taylor is the better quarterback than Tommy DeVito. Don't talk about Tommy Cutlets being magical or whatever. No, that's garbage. Taylor is the better quarterback. So in that sense, the spread is fine in terms of the movement. But the other competing force here is that the Rams don't have too many injuries coming into this game, but the Giants certainly do. In fact, 13 players were listed as either non-participants or limited on Wednesday. We're talking about Deontay Banks, Dexter Lawrence, Ashawn Robinson uh, were held out. Saquon Barkley, Adoree Jackson, among others, were part of the limited participants group. So my question to you, PJ, is what is the bigger deal here? Is it that Tyrod Taylor is starting or the fact that the Giants uh, will certainly not be 100% on offense, but that they may also be missing some key pieces. I think it's the fact that Tyrod's starting. I think that is going to give this offense a little bit more of a boost. You know, DeVito was great. He was an awesome story. But I think people also forgot, like, before the Tommy DeVito sensation started and he got that three-game win streak, like, do we remember, do we remember how bad he was against the Raiders? Do we remember how bad he was against mm -hmm. Dallas, right? Like, he also had those games as well. And this is my upset of the week. I like the Giants in this spot against wow. the Rams. I, I really do. There's something about MetLife Stadium, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Giants, and these teams that have to travel and play there, like, 
they just they don't play well, man. Like, think about all the quarterbacks that have played against the Jets this season. And I get the Jets' defense is way better than the Giants, but obviously they upset the Eagles at home. They gave Kansas City a tough game. C.J. Stroud went in there. It was terrible. They beat Houston. The Giants a couple weeks ago, we saw them beat the Packers as big, as big underdogs. So there's something about, like, MetLife. And the Rams, it's a tricky sandwich spot. A big game against the Saints last week for the NFC Wild Card. You got the Niners on deck next week. Travel across the country. Dome team outside in cold weather. It's a tough spot for the Rams, you know? And we're seeing a little bit of reverse line movement. Like, the line is moving a little bit because of Tyrod, but I think also because the professionals are going to be on the Giants in this game, you know? And also, it's the NFL. And, like, when we get the media when we get the public, when we get people starting to talk about these trendy teams, and that's what the Rams are becoming. They're becoming the trendy pick right now in the NFC. I normally like fading those kind of narratives. I think it's a good spot for the Giants, man. Dable's going to have his guys ready. So uh, give me the Giants plus the points. I take some money line as well. I think this could be an upset this week. Two thoughts, and I think, again, we're dealing with competing forces in a game like this. On the one hand, I completely agree with you when it comes to the Rams being a trendy pick. We've fallen in love with Sean McVay all over again. We've fallen in love with Matt Stafford and what he's been able to do with Puka Nakua. And, of course, with Cooper Cup, that's been a thing. But the Puka Nakua thing, you go, oh, wow. They they can add additional dimensions, and they can add a rookie into this situation. And it can be super-duper special. So all of that is fine. And, yes, they've made them trendy and absolutely like look at what the Giants have done uh and I think when we're talking about say like backup quarterbacks with Brian Dable I think if you were to come in and this is more of a Tommy DeVito comment but I think Tyrod Taylor also applies to this if you were to say okay what is the comp for these quarterbacks who would you say DeVito or Tyrod Taylor most closely resemble in terms of their playing style if you were to say something like oh they're a poor man's Daniel Jones well that's a great thing right? Because the offensive line, the receivers, all that stuff, they've worked with Daniel Jones a lot. And so if they're working with a reasonable facsimile, then they don't have to change all that much. Practice can be similar. The play design, the playbook, they can be similar. And continuity matters a great deal in the NFL to where if you are having to make some big 180 change because the quarterback you have just can't do the same things that your starter could do, then I think you have some real problems. I think it has less to do with the overall quality of, say, a backup quarterback and more if you can establish consistency. Because if you can, then everyone else can kind of do what their strengths are meant to be. So in that sense, I have the utmost respect for this coaching staff at the Giants, even though the record doesn't necessarily show it. That continuity at the quarterback position is why they've been able to get some big wins and why that, for the most part, they've been respectable. Now, against much stiffer competition than we see wider backup quarterbacks. But I think in a game like this against the Rams, it will be interesting to see what they can do in terms of establishing that continuity that I think they've been able to do all season long. So that's the good side. The bad side, though, is when you are comparing, say, DeVito versus Tyrod Taylor, you look at the numbers, and as I mentioned before, yes, Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback. You look at EPA per dropback since 2018, average depth of target, all of that stuff. Tyrod Taylor is going to move the ball more consistently down the field. The catch, though, is tight window rate. And Taylor is willing to take more risks than DeVito was able to take this season. You, you look at, say, 17% versus 10%. I would not be surprised if 
say Tyrod Taylor is trying to thread the needle a little bit more, and that could lead to problems in terms of potentially interceptions. So the question to me is, do you feel like that this Rams defense, and look, it's not the unit we talk about that often outside of, say, Aaron Donald. Uh, in some ways, it has not met, you know, what few expectations we had for them. But can this Rams defense do enough, or do you feel like that the Giants' rushing attack and to an extent what they can do through the air, maybe that's dynamic enough to pose some real fits? Yeah, no, I, th- I think it could be. I think it could be. Um, I, I mean, Tyrod starting in this game, I would have taken the Giants even with DeVito, but I think we would have gotten a seven. Mm-hmm. Now that it's Tyrod, I really like the the challenges that he presents the Rams, his ability to use his legs. You mentioned the running game. Saquon's been playing good. Giants receivers made some plays last week against the Eagles, you know, around Wondell Robinson and Darius Slayton. So they have Jalen Hyatt. Maybe Darren Waller will, will finally do something this season for the G-Men as well. Um, it's just more of a fade of the Rams this week, though, and that they've been playing such good football and I know that the public is going to love them, especially against the Giants. Like, these are just two classic teams that, you know, nobody is going to want any part of the Giants, and anybody, and everybody's going to love the Rams in this spot, and especially under the touchdown. Um, I, I just think the, the Giants are, are the right side in my eyes. The Rams' defense, to your point, though, you know, Ed, coming into the year, we thought this was going to be one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You got to give Raheem Morris a lot of credit. They've certainly played a lot better than we thought they would. They are susceptible, though, to some big performances. And, you know, with there really not being a lot of film on Tyrod here over the last couple of years, especially with the Giants, you know, he's only had a certain amount of starts. I think that can play into the Giants' favor. And these kind of games late in the year, when you have a team like the Rams who have everything to play for, and you have a team in the Giants who, you know, they don't really have anything to play for. They're out of the playoff mix at this point. I, I like the Giants in this spot. So uh, I just – one of those gut feelings, you know, that the line is is mm-hmm. suspiciously low. I think it's, it's you know, four and a half, five and a half right now. It's – I don't know if it gets back up to six. I think the Giants can can keep this game close. The total is 44 and a half. And the more you're talking about sort of that complimentary football that the Giants could very well establish here, wouldn't be surprised if this goes way over, you know? Uh, Bet MGM 44 and a half here in the total. I would not be surprised if both offenses look good in a game like this. Like, I understand, like, if this is more of a fade of the Rams, that makes sense. But what would we be fading exactly? Like, the, the Kyron Williams thing, like, that's looking pretty consistent. Matt Stafford, regardless of the situation, I think he's reliable enough. Uh, but if the Giants do win this game, like, what if it is like a 30 to 23 kind of contest? Like, I think there are many paths where we get over, and that makes a whole lot of sense while sort of maintaining the logic that you're presenting. Uh, I really like that. Not to mention, if you look at the playoff predictor, Rams lose this game outright, then they're probably not getting a wild card, you know, when they're taking on the 49ers the following week. Uh, they may right. still have to win that game, San Francisco, to secure the one seed. That's going to be really fascinating that this team that we've loved the last several weeks may not make the playoffs altogether in a really poor <laughs> NFC situation. So a lot to be uh, looking at as far as that contest is concerned. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we continue our look at the Week 17 card with the Dolphins at the Ravens right here on the BetQL Network. They don't settle for just lining up and just giving it to you. I mean, you just got to beat them. They're going to come after you. They're going to attack you. Um, always challenging with the defensive uh, game plans. Um, 
big backs run the football, the whole thing. Special teams is really good. They blocked three punts this year already or something. Uh, so they've had a big factor in, in how they play and a fantastic turnover team. Again, he always does that, and he did it again. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Pete Carroll is a big fan of Mike Tomlin, no doubt about it. Both coaches have been at their respective helms for quite some time, and this game is oh so important in terms of both teams finding some way to make their wild card birds. And we will get to Steelers and Seahawks in just a bit. But first, welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross and PJ Glasser here with you. Let's get into, say, the game of the week for Week 17, and that is the Dolphins at the Ravens. Uh, both teams coming off of rather impactful victories. Uh, the Ravens are at home. They are three-and-a-half-point favorites for BetMGM with a total of 47. PJ, what do you like here? And this is my favorite bet of the week. I liked it at plus four. I still like it at plus three and a half. I think they're going to win the game outright. But I like the Miami Dolphins against the Ravens this week. Like, this is why we love the NFL is because of games like this, because of spots like this. I can't explain it, but as a Ravens fan, like, the fans, the coaches, the players, it just seemed like that Niners game – like it was personal right and it's just like we were all so excited for like it's christmas day it's the battle of the two best teams you're out to kind of prove who was better but at the end of the day this game against miami is way more important and it always was i would have so much rather seen the ravens lose to san francisco and win this game against miami than the other way around the ravens win this game they clinch the number one seed uh they lose and now miami controls uh, their own destiny for the number one seed in the AFC heading into week 18. So it's a monster game. I will say stylistically where I think the Ravens have a big advantage is that they just played San Francisco. And obviously Mike McDaniel comes from the Shanahan coaching tree, right? So on a short week, get it, being able to play against San Francisco and seeing how they play up front is going to be big heading mm. into this game against Miami. That's where I think the Ravens have the advantage. The injury report is going to be huge. In this game, if Kyle Hamilton doesn't play for the Ravens, that is a massive game changer. And how I feel about the Dolphins even is that much better. And this matchup against Baltimore or against Miami, because obviously of what they want to do offensively, Jalen Waddle's probably not going to play for the Dolphins, which is key. But to me, that win against San Francisco and then turning around and playing the Dolphins and everybody talking about Lamar for MVP and talking about the Ravens being the best team in the NFL. Like, Ed, I just, this is how the NFL works. I just know that the Dolphins have to be the play for me. Would it shock me if the Ravens win this game by double digits? Not at all, because as we all know, the Dolphins do struggle against good teams, especially away from home. To me, it's the play's got to be on Miami, though. It just, it has to be because the Ravens are the best road team in the NFL. But I don't love them at home, especially as, as good teams. Lamar in his career has really struggled as a favorite of three or more points. And I think that's going to come into play again this week. So I just think the spot really is, is key in this game. The Dolphins get a little bit of momentum, finally beating a good team in Dallas. And I don't know if Baltimore has another great performance in them after that win against San Francisco. It, it seems like that game was so key. And now do they have the wherewithal to turn around and, and play against the Dolphins? They're saying all the right things. All the videos you watch, mm -hmm. they're saying they're turning the page and they're locked in. But I don't know, Ed. I, for me, the Dolphins are the play in this game. 
it's almost as though say applying a college football methodology might make sense in a game like this where if you like the dolphins to cover the three and a half maybe you should just take them on the money line or maybe even do an alt spread say like you know minus one and a half or something like that just because it's not that they can you know keep this game close but they can win this game outright and so the number of possibilities between say three and a half to zero there aren't as many as you would normally see in an nfl game it's more like miami covers this number and maybe an alt spread is probably the best way to go in terms of maximize the overall uh, hashtag value here. You mentioned the injury report, PJ. Uh, Tua limited with thumb and quad issues. Uh, Devon Achan didn't practice at all with that toe injury. Teron Armstead, uh, knee, ankle, and back is what's listed. Uh, as far as others who uh, say, you know, were limited or didn't go at all, uh, Tyree Kill, ankle and vet rest. Uh, Jalen Waddell, as you mentioned before, Raheem Mostert uh, with knee and ankle issues. Th- this is something where... On the one hand, I I get that the Dolphins still have been able to overcome, you know, some key injuries and things like that, especially with that win over Dallas. But on the other hand, it's almost as though you need all hands on deck to go up against the Ravens. Like, if you are going to have everybody, this is going to be the game where you need to do that. And the, the one difference, and I love the idea that, okay, they're facing a similarly built offense. The difference, though, to me is that Tua loves to throw those quick passes, right? Like, get the ball out of your hands in less than two and a half seconds. And if you're able to do that with any kind of consistency, then the Dolphins look the way that they do. I wonder, though, when it comes to this Ravens defense, they're just so feast or famine to me to where if they're not forcing turnovers, then you can gash them for uh, chunk plays and things like that. Can this secondary sort of create secondary sex, so to speak, and disrupt the timing of Tua? We have seen the Titans do it, but we haven't seen too many other defenses do it. And to me, that's going to be the deciding factor in a game like this. And to your point, you know, the Ravens defense stole the headlines because of the five interceptions that they created. But, Ed, I thought the game plan from Shanahan was really puzzling and why he didn't run the football more. It seemed like the best drive the Niners had all night, right, was when they leaned on McCaffrey. Like, we didn't see him use Debo at all. It was just – it was a really – it was almost like Shanahan had heard – the MVP chatter and wanted to prove that his guy Brock like was was a good quarterback right and like he could do it against a good defense and it's like man the Niners have such a good running game and McCaffrey's the best back in football and Debo can punish you in the run game too and the Niners just didn't show us enough of that so I agree with you this Ravens defense is gettable um and I think if the Niners would have leaned on that run game a little bit more they would have had a lot of success you mentioned the injuries that the Dolphins have to their backs and A-Chain and Mostert I think both are going to play certainly A-Chain and I think the Dolphins are going to have some success in the run game but yeah man like the fact that the Ravens just played San Francisco and now they play the Dolphins two teams that obviously they have the same kind of concepts on offense and the chess game the game, the game plan that Mike McDonald just have as defensive coordinator for the Ravens was so good against the Niners, right? McDaniel's watching that film. So it's like the chess game of, okay, how did McDonald attack them? How am I going to attack them? What are going to be his counter moves for this game? These teams played last year, Ed, and the Ravens had a historic collapse. They had like a 21-point lead in the fourth quarter, and two and Tyree Kill just went nuts in the fourth quarter and that lives in the Ravens head I promise you they remember that game so we'll see what happens man if Kyle Hamilton plays in this game it's gonna be huge for the Ravens if he doesn't I'm gonna just even like Miami that much more in the game
It's not a divisional game, but it's definitely something where there is a lot of familiarity. These are teams that know each other fairly well. So how well can each coaching unit adjust? That's going to be really fascinating. But you can expect high-quality, high-level football. That, I think, is something we can agree upon, where this game should live up to the hype of being game of the week. And so in that respect, I'm definitely excited. Definitely can't wait to catch that one. Let's move on now to the Steelers and the Seahawks because uh, Seattle three and a half point favorites at home with a total of 41 and a half. What's something that stands out to you here, PJ? Really interesting game, especially that performance that Rudolph had against Cincinnati, right? It's like, do you want to buy stock into that? Was that a flash in the pan? Was that just the Bengals busting some coverages and Pickens just making some plays, right? Are the Steelers going to revert to the offense that we've seen for much of the year? Um, and then Seattle, like, Ed, let's call it what it is. They've been fortunate the last couple of weeks to win their two games, right? They shouldn't have beaten Philly. They shouldn't have beaten the Titans, but they were able to get those wins. So now they're three and a half point favorites in this game against Pittsburgh. The last two weeks, they've won their games by three. Both teams, it's an absolute must win. Both teams got to keep uh, pace in, in the wild card race in their respective conferences. I just, for me, I think the unit on the field that I trust the most in this game is probably the Steelers' defense, even though I think the Seahawks' offense has some weapons. I mean, if you get pressure on Geno Smith, as we know, you can really make life tough for him. So I also trust Tomlin in this spot, and obviously he's never had a losing record. He knows what it takes to win this time of year. I'm leaning towards the Steelers. Plus, Ed, I'm a believer in, like, when we get these – out-of-conference games, and when we look at what the AFC North has done against the NFC West this season, San Francisco's got four losses. Three of those are to the North. They've lost to the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Browns, right? You look at Seattle, got demolished by the Ravens. They lost to the Bengals. They were fortunate to beat the Browns if it wasn't for a P.J. Walker interception. So we've seen Pittsburgh go on the road and beat the Rams. The AFC North has dominated the NFC West. They're the best division in football. They show that when they go out of conference. To me, this is going to be a close game that comes down to wire. Whenever I feel that way, I always got to take the dog, especially when we're getting the ultimate key number at three and a half. So I don't know if Pittsburgh wins the game. They certainly could, but Seattle's been playing everybody close as of late. Pittsburgh, I'm sure, is going to keep this game close. So uh, give me the Steelers plus the points. Yes, not a college football application here where you should just take Pittsburgh on the money line. Not at all. This is something where the hook, I think, is super duper important uh, one yep. way or the other. So absolutely, uh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And to your point, when it comes to Geno Smith, he needs play action. He needs play action more than most people need oxygen and water. Now, when he gets that play action, when he has that time to be able to develop it, then, oh, yes, the Seahawks offense is phenomenal. No doubt about it. And if, say, you're getting the right matchup in that secondary for the Steelers, then, yes, DK and company, like, they could be really, really good, really, really formidable. I will be curious if, say, Geno Smith can be effective with those quick throws. And that's probably the one thing that I will be looking at uh, before, say, making a pick on this game is what can he do if he is forced to get rid of the ball in less than two and a half seconds? If he can do it with any kind of consistency and he is able to find, say, crossing patterns, things like that, if he is successful with that, then I think they can make you know life really tough on the Steelers. But if it's something where we can see quick sacks from Watt and Heinsmith, guys like that, 
then I am more than comfortable backing the Steelers here. It's going to be if they can find some gaps and weaknesses in that offensive line to get those quick pressures to where the, even those quick throws uh, just aren't available for Geno. But if he is able to develop just enough time in that pocket for the play-action game that he is oh so effective with, then I think the Seahawks can very well score a ton of points and definitely cover the three and a half, no doubt about it. Uh, while you are here, uh, what other games kind of stand out to you on the Week 17 card that you uh, have some strong opinions about? Yeah, I really like the over in this Eagles-Cardinals game, Ed. I really do. Mm-hmm. I feel like anytime the Eagles go okay. up against a capable quarterback like they will see in Kyler Murray, I feel like they're susceptible to give up some points. We, we just saw them play the Giants, and it was 33-25. to 25. I'm kind of feeling like we're going to see a similar game. How is Arizona going to shut down the Eagles on on offense? I think the Eagles get into the 30s. And then I think on the flip side, I think Arizona gets into the 20s. The total is at 48. Eagles get us into the 30s. Arizona gets us into the 20s. We're going to cash our over. So that was another play that uh, that stood out to me. And then there are a couple a couple teasers that I really like this week. We have the Bucks are two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Saints, and we have the Vikings are two-point favorites against the Packers. I like teasing up both of the underdogs. I like teasing the Saints up to eight-and-a-half, and I like teasing up uh, Green Bay to eight as well. Both games are playoff-caliber games. The Bucks can win the South if they win. Minnesota-Green Bay is essentially an elimination game for the NFC wild card. So I think both games are close. I think both games are probably low scoring. They're obviously divisional games. So both teams know each other really, really well. And, uh, you know, I don't love the side on either game, but I feel pretty confident that both of those games are going to be one scoring. So I think teasing both of those over the touchdown, getting them at plus eight, plus eight and a half, combining those, those, uh, it's one of my favorite plays are those two teams in a teaser. It's funny when you were bringing up teasers that in our, uh, segment for Thursday night football between the Jets and the Browns it's like okay do we like this as a teaser spot and I think both of us are kind of lukewarm about it I think probably the bigger issue for me was okay what can we pair it with because we're seeing some big spreads some higher totals even though it is December we are seeing some higher totals here so like what makes a whole lot of sense and I think the only one that really stood out to me if I wanted to go teaser tonight was the Saints and the Buccaneers. I think teasing the yep. Saints to, to eight and a half. I mean, look, this is something where Baker Mayfield has been a fantastic story. And I actually do believe there is a little bit of value on him as comeback player of the year, just because he's played all season, unlike Joe Flacco, where say you're buying into a small sample size. And I think that can be really dangerous, especially when you have two additional games before this thing gets decided. Uh, but I also think when it comes to Baker Mayfield like we have seen him turn into a pumpkin more than a couple of times right like yeah we love those receivers but this is a divisional matchup the Saints defense can be really respectable and it's something where New Orleans can win outright so taking it to plus eight and a half I think makes a whole lot of sense PJ it was great having you on the show cannot thank you enough for dropping by please make sure to check out send it in with PJ Glasser weekdays at one o'clock eastern time on the BeckQL network wonderful show cannot promote it enough this is betql daily presented by betmgm coming up next we will talk about nfl survivor four left in circa with more than nine million dollars on the line right here on the betql network mgm from betql 
Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross here. Joe and Aaron are off today. Our thanks to PJ Glasser for dropping by uh, for the first hour and a half or so. We still have Jake Hassan. We still have Paul Aspen here. And we still have a fantastic jam-packed show to do here. And uh, we've got Parker Fleming for Sumer Sports coming up at the top of hour number three. We also have NFL contest picks that we will get to. But now it's time to talk Survivor. And over last weekend, we had a little bit of carnage when it came to Circa. There are only four individuals left. And among those who did not survive, say the Patriots upsetting the Broncos, et cetera, et cetera, our guy Peos is out. Our not guy Golden Boy is out. And Paul, let's talk about Golden Boy for just a little bit because it sounds to me like you believe that the rest of us here on BetQL Daily really liked Golden Boy, that we were rooting for him. I don't necessarily think I had an opinion on the matter. I know you were a disparaging of him, uh, say, as a person, much less as a better, uh, but he is out as well, and you seem pleased. I, I just have no tears for the guy. Like I, I, like I said last week, I was definitely like, you know, I went the double heel route. He wanted to be the heel, so I was the heel against the heel. Joe and Aaron completely bought into it. Oh, love the swag, blah, blah, blah. I mean, and then, I mean, shocker, a guy that claims he's the best better of all time is if you, you know, follow certain people on Twitter and read certain things, like, allegedly, maybe not the most upstanding guy, maybe owes certain people money and, like, shocker i don't know if you've ever met a professional poker player um so there's some i mean it's no surprise that there's been some some questions about like how quote-unquote good of a guy he is anyway this is sports betting space not you know it is what it is uh i i thought it was (laughs) if you're gonna come out and be like hey i'm not chopping i've got an advantage cool but like he just went super how do I say this? Nova. Uh, FCC regulated, <laughs> uh, super, you know, DB about it a little bit. So I was just like, all right, no, I'm going to root against this guy. I just think, and you like, say what you want about it. Karma gambling gods and all that, like that, you're, you're testing some forces out there. So no, he lost. Unfortunately, our guy, Peos lost. Uh, I'm not sure who they both lost with. Was it the Broncos? I would have never, I mean, it's easy for me to say I was out. I think three. it was Broncos. The Broncos. Like it's, Right. Of all the upsets yeah. I can think of, like that one stood out bonkers. in terms of, uh, yeah, 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 having the most carnage. And I mean, not only that, but talk about an excruciating thing where, yes, the Broncos are down massively to the Patriots. Yes, that third quarter was was rough. Then they come back and make a game yeah. out of it. And you're like, there's no way Bailey Zappi can recover from losing the lead, especially on the road. And somehow they still did it somehow this still happened and so <clears throat> the emotional arc is not just that they were lost that they lost and were eliminated but the fact that they were teased that the betting gods teased them to thinking that they had a chance to come away with this unscathed and ultimately they did not like could you not see golden boy like live betting a situation like this where just going 10x believing hey look i still can do this like there's a way that this can happen like maybe with that touchdown where they cut the deficit or, or something of that sort so it's not just being eliminated but you could also see him say you know losing a shirt in the process no pun intended because he loves wearing sleeveless shirts but still though. yeah that would be a real shame if that's how that went down um so but i mean i i do think there is a like it doesn't sound i haven't heard anything i haven't seen anything like if he was the holdout for the chop 
You know, and everyone had the mm-hmm. Eagles Monday night for Christmas week, so they all they would have chopped, but they all got through. So there's four people left in Circa. There is a case to be made to not chop with these four. Now, I, I haven't seen anything about a chop. Like, you could think, hey, if these four had agreed to a previous chop, maybe they will here. Uh, and But although, again, I, I'm not going to be able to do the math on it or whatever. I'm sure there is an advantageous way to hedge perhaps in these situations mm-hmm. when it's this like down to this these four and you look at the pick availability so the one guy that seems to have an edge on everyone else is circus master two he has cleveland mm-hmm. tonight and everyone mm-hmm. else the other three have denver as far as favorites go this week denver houston indy and then a mix of minnesota and chicago uh, so it appears that circus master has a massive advantage now I think you got to take Cleveland and not think about it if you're him. Um, Denver, I've been seeing like seems like some sharp people are in Denver this week, even after the quarterback change. Indy, uh, I don't know that Chicago, like no, sorry. And then the Vikings, no, I don't. Even, are we getting Jaron, our guy Jaron Hall there? I don't even know who's playing quarterback. <laughs> so I think it it is absolutely Cleveland for Circus Master, and then. No, you're in a you're definitely in the most advantageous situation. So it's a it's a very interesting spot. And then Joe's pool is down to six people. And it looks like as far as Colts, six people have all six have the Colts, but you got two people that have that same advantage who have the Browns. So I think that's probably got to be the pick. And then one person has the Rams. We did talk about that. I don't know if they lose that game, but I, with Tyrod, I do see the case. I'm definitely taking the points. It's Giants or nothing in that spot. And then mm-hmm. as far as other like big favorite, ah, three have the Bucks. I think I'm good there. Um, oh, one has the Jaguars. So again, really? our, like bang, yeah. Oh, you got a little bit far. of, yeah. Let me see if I can find That'd be my favorite of anybody of anything if you have the Jaguars still available. I mean, it's it's this weird thing where, you know, of all the potential tanking teams, Carolina is the one that really has nothing to play for in that regard, yet they're just a bad football team. And even if you're dealing with, say, uh, you know, a hobbled Trevor Lawrence or C.J. Beathard or whatever it is for Jacksonville, like, I could never do Carolina money line at plus 230. I, I can't get to that point. I think all the things that we're complaining about with the Jaguars involves context. It's about all these other playoff teams that they're going up against or these mediocre to pretty decent AFC South teams. We're not comparing them to the Panthers. So in that respect, I'd be just fine with it. And as far as the Browns are concerned, like if you still have them, then yes, that, that's the obvious play here. I mean, the the Lions-Cowboys, that's shortened now to five and a half at BetMGM. I, I, you know, I think there's something to be said there for what to expect from Detroit. Like, could this be a super high-scoring game and they just find one extra touchdown underneath the cushions of the sofa? You could see that happening. But otherwise, like, you know, they're, we're this late into the season. Like, there's just too many picks left. I know, like, the, the number doesn't say it's a coin flip game, but it feels like a coin flip game. I mean, either team could win mm-hmm. that game by just such high variance there. Uh, so the person right. who has the Jaguars possession wins. does not yeah. right, does not have the Browns and vice versa. The people that The two people mm-hmm. that have the Browns do not have the Jaguars. So that's 
So two people could take the Browns, another could take the Jags, and then everyone else is kind of uh, maybe taking the Rams. Oh, so one person has, the person that has the Rams also has the Browns. So that's an interesting, I'd probably go Browns. Ah, but you're not using the Rams next week. Are you using the Browns next week? Who do the Browns have next week? Divisional game, I assume. They, oh, it's at back. the Bengals. At the bank. So that's, I mean, that's probably your path. I'd have to look fully at like the, his week 18 path. But I mean, if you're going to use the Rams, it's this week. It's never next week. I don't think. Exactly. Yeah. The 49ers, they still have something to play for. And I think there's something to be said for just demolishing Sean McVay. Like, I think there's something uh, inherently good about that approach if you're a 49ers fan. So that's fine. But yeah, if you're going to take the Rams, like it's now or never. And I, I think introducing Tyrod Taylor into the mix does add variance in some way. Like it's not so much that you know what to expect out of Tommy DeVito. It's just that when you don't have film on a guy in this particular system, that means there are more unknowns. Like I still think Tyrod Taylor clearly the better quarterback, but there was a reason why he wasn't yeah. starting either because of health concerns or because DeVito just knew the system better, whatever the case may be, you are inherently adding variance. And so it, it isn't necessarily something where we can just say Tyrod Taylor is going to play well. It's just that the Rams could play poorly. They may not know what to anticipate, those kinds of things, but it could also work the other way where the Rams go nuts and they continue to show us why they deserve to be in the playoffs. So as far as the circus situation, so if you're taking them Browns tonight, you know, you're in for a yeah. grand, right? Maybe you're, I'm mean, at max entries. Maybe you're in for 10. I, I don't know how many entries this person had. And uh, Jeff Benson over at circus, like put it out. Like you can get credit from them on any hedging possibilities. Would you put like 20 K on jets money line tonight? Cause like you, you've got Just one more week to get through and that, and then you've got a, and then like next week you could go up to a hundred K and you're guaranteed nine point, whatever divided by four at the worst case scenario. So you're guaranteed to make money as long as I'm not completely talking out of my, yeah. <laughs> well, and that's that just makes it sense, though, right? It's like perfect sense. Yeah. 20,000 uh, on jets money line. So plus two eighty. So, I mean, you're talking about, you know, tripling the investment, all that stuff. So that's pretty good. I, I, I probably would just because I'd be looking at money I've never seen before, uh, you know, just in terms of, I guess, my own lifestyle. But it always goes back to who's actually competing in this, right? Like, are these people who can afford not to have to do those kinds of things and they don't need sure. to hedge? In that, in that case, like, I understand not chopping. It's more about just winning the contest. And I, I can't, you know, besmirch someone who approaches it that way. I, I think that is the smart play. Uh, doing that and then maybe 50k to 100k for the the week 18 contest in terms of trying to split up whom you have left uh but at the same time like you know are, are you fine getting the full pod is that something that you just have to do i don't know yeah i mean you're you're looking at the very like at least a somewhat of a likelihood i don't know the exact numbers on it of a chop at the end of the day anyway um, so right. at this point down to four, two weeks left to play, I think actually the more that we talk about it, I think I would just like do these hedges on my own 
and yeah. so I'm guaranteed some money one way or another. And if it works out, then it's maybe you ship the whole thing, especially if you're in that advantageous right. brown spot. It implied value two and a quarter million dollars. I think that's how I would see it as kind of your cap. And so I think twenty thousand makes sense for week seventeen, week eighteen. I probably wouldn't go up to a hundred k, but probably somewhere around twenty to fifty. That, I think, makes sense as far as the math is concerned. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Parker Fleming of Sumer Sports shares his favorite plays for the New York New Year's Six Bowl games, including the CFP semis, right here on the BetQL Network.